life fully committed. Come on, say yes to him today. Make your own personal declaration. Father, it is because of you that we've gotten this far, Father. Everything that we have, everything that is good has come from you, Father. And so we make a declaration today to live our lives fully committed unto you and we say yes Lord yes to your way yes to your will Father yes to your word yes to what you've called us to do in Powder Springs Father we lay our lives down to be used for your glory Father and we say yes today and we honor you today and we glorify you today and we magnify you today and we declare that you are great and you are greatly to be praised. And so if God has been good to anyone in this building today, would you give him your best praise right now? Come on, give him your best praise. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Father. Father, there are so many mountains you've brought us over. There's so many trials that you've seen us through. And Father, this is a day that we're just grateful and we're thankful. And we're acknowledging that we couldn't have gotten here without you. And so even though this is our last day at this Marietta Performing Arts Center. <laughs> hallelujah. While on one hand, Father, we're celebrating. But on the other hand, we're grateful. We're grateful, Father, for the Lassiter Performing Arts Center. Father, we're grateful for the Cobb Energy Center. Father, we're grateful for Pastor Calvin Preston and the West End Seventh-day Adventist Church. We're so grateful for them, Father. And Father, we're grateful for Mark Patterson, Father. You gave us favor with him, Father. And allowed us to use this performing arts center here at the Marietta High School. And for that, we say thank you. But now as we prepare ourselves, Father, like the children of Israel, to march into our promised land at 4331 Brownsville Road, Father. We're even more grateful for where you brought us, Father. And Father, we're going to dedicate that place to be used for your glory. Use that building to love people, Father. To minister to a community that has real needs. And so, Father, we've taken time today to decrease simply because you have increased. It is less of us and more of you. Our tongues are connected to our spirits, mine in particular, Father. You grace me today to deliver your oracles with simplicity, Father. They came with hearts ready to, be re to, ready to receive. The good seed of your word will be deposited into those hearts and it will produce the harvest, Father, some 30, some 60. But some will walk out with 100-fold production, Father, because of the condition of their hearts and the way that they hear. And Father, I stand here today mindful that I am your humble servant. Everything that you do through me, you get all the glory for. And it'll be no different today, Father. Deflect everything away from me and towards you. May the people never stand in the wisdom of man, but only in the power of God. Holy Spirit, be glorified in this service today. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Would you all do me a favor?
This choir works hard. Can we give them a, come on, can we give them a big round of applause? Excellent job today. Let's give our band, let's give our band musicians a big round of applause. You all, you all probably don't know what that last song actually means to me. Uh, and so I'll just leave it there so I don't get emotional. Uh, but it's no way, I don't know if you do or if you don't, to really know that my, my ministry started 25 years ago. Uh, and that was a song that kick-started. I can remember being in a service saying yes to God. That I would live my life fully committed to Him. And I would do His will. And I would do His way. And that song has just resonated in my heart from that moment until now. So I don't know how that came about. I don't know if the Holy Spirit lined that up. But it's interesting that as we close this one out, we go into a new season. For us to fulfill what God's called us to do in that land, we must be fully committed. Praise God. Thank you all. You can be seated. I want you all to love on somebody today. Shake somebody's hand. Speak life into them. However you're led, compliment them. It is hot up here on this stage. It's hot. It is hot up here on this stage. Don't put the title up until I cue you today. And so praise God for you. Even before I minister today, I don't have a long message today. I just have one that's, I believe, appropriate. As we close out this season, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, uh, we were at a conference on last week and I don't know, around 50, 60 past. One of the common questions that we always get is, you know, how did you all do it? And of course, no man can take credit for it. All you can do is give God the glory. But if I could, what I would do is take a, a picture of all of our volunteers and all of you all, and I would send it to them. And I would say, if you want to know how we got here, we got here because we have the best members and the best volunteers any pastor could ever ask for. And I wish you'd give yourselves a big round of applause for that. When you walk in there on next week, you'll have a sense of pride, a sense of fulfillment, not a wrong kind of pride, but a sense of pride in what God has used you to accomplish in such a short period of time. You know, I, I was graced to be around people that have been doing this for 25, 30 years, and they still don't have what our first building looks like. And it humbles you to know that God can take you from nothing just five years ago with nothing. We walked out with nothing to what we'll walk into on next weekend. I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait to party with you. I can't wait to celebrate with you. I just can't wait. You know, we don't have to set up and break down anymore. Come on, somebody ought to say amen to that right there. You know, no more we've got to be out of here by 1230. No, no more we can't use it. No more. We can stay as long as we want to, hang out as long as we want to, and enjoy what God has graced us with. I want to minister to your hearts and lives today. 
on a subject. I don't want the title to go up yet because I really want to prepare your hearts. If I just share the title, you might get lost uh, without understanding the context of that title. So let me talk to you a little bit in my introduction. If you're following along, I want to welcome you on all of our live stream platforms. We're glad to have you today. Version Bible app. The notes are right there inside of that app. Go to the events section. Just click on Linked Up Church. The outline is right there. But of course, you'll always get more than what's on the outline. The outline is set up through that Version Bible app so that you can add your notes to it, okay? Now, in my introduction, I want to encourage you all today and motivate you and inspire you today about how God wired you. And when you tap into the way that you were created, I mean, that's when you're going to live at a level of fulfillment that you always dreamed about. And so we, we must know that God wired the universe so that fulfillment does not come from status. It does not come from salary. It does not come from sex. It does not come from success. I mean, a lot of people have all of those things, but they live unfulfilled lives, right? And so it doesn't come from that. Fulfillment comes from service. God wired you to be at your best when you are giving your life away. And I'll show you this from the Word of God today. Why? Because He wants you to become more like Him. When you think about Jesus, when you think about God, it was all about love, it was all about sacrifice, and it was all about service. So at some point in your salvation, a real mark of maturity, and I'm following Jesus, is when I'm living a life of love that requires some sacrifice from my life in service to God and other people. That's a way to kind of track and measure your growth and your maturity in God. Let's look at our foundation text. Still don't put the title up yet. Foundation text, Mark chapter 8. Let's read verses 30 through 34 through 37, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And so I won't be before you long today. Mark chapter 8, 34 through 37. Uh, When you get there, say amen. Says here, when he had called the people to himself, of course, he had just fed 4,000 people. So now he's calling that entire crowd over to him along with his disciples. And I want you to look at what he says. He calls the people to himself with his disciples also, and he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. And so he's saying, if you're going to follow me, then you have to give up your own personal interests. Right? And so when you think about following him, then it requires self-denial on our part. We're saying it's no longer about me and my will, It's about Jesus and his will. And he uses this language here. He says, and then take up your cross. Remember that. Take up his cross and follow me. Now, let's not get real deep here. I mean, he's not talking about you putting a physical cross on your your back to identify him uh, with him. We, We went on a tour in Jerusalem. How many years ago was that, babe? Maybe eight, nine years ago, 10 years ago. And literally uh, from Jerusalem to Golgotha, they call it the Via de la Rosa, which is the pathway that they believe Jesus took carrying the cross. And so you had all of these different nations and nationalities there going on what they called a pilgrimage, and they were literally trying to identify with Christ by carrying this big cross on their back down what was called the Via de la Rosa, and they had people whipping them and hitting them with chains. How many know it doesn't require all of that? 
And that's not what he's talking about here. He's still talking about the same thing. Your Christ, I mean, your cross is the things that you need to deny yourself of in your life. That's why he said take up his cross. Mine are not yours. Yours are not mine. Everyone has their own areas that we know we need to put down so that we can follow him fully. Can everybody say amen to that? Right? And so he says take up his cross, his, and follow me. Watch this. For whoever desires to save, sozo, preserve his own life, make his life whole, prosper his life, heal his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, see, for following me and the gospel or the good good news or the word's sake will save it or sozo. They'll preserve it. They'll be made whole. They'll prosper. They'll be healed. So he's saying when you leave what you're doing to try to make your life better and you follow me, you put all of that to the side and you follow me and you follow my way, that's when you're going to live the life you always dreamed about living. And I'll prove that in a moment in another translation. And then it's the, 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 uh, the language here is very interesting here. He says, the same will lose it and, and then he'll save it. Then in verse 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And then loses his own soul. So then is it safe to say then people are losing their souls over trying to gain the world? Right? So while they're out spending time chasing stuff and status and and achievement and success and, and ladies and men and all of this stuff, what he's saying here is they're losing their souls over things that I want to freely give them. So what profit did they really get to live in a big house, drive the great car, and then spend eternity in hell? Right? So it's no profit. What profit is it if a man gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? Then look at verse 37. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Well, if we look at our world today, people give a whole lot in exchange for their souls, right? All right, and so watch this now. Before I give you the title, let's read that out of the Living Bible. Mark chapter 8, verse 35, the Living Bible. I don't know if that can go up on the screen. The Living Bible. Notice what it says here. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Now, how many of y'all have tried to do things your way? I'm the only one, right? We all have seen what it looks like, the end result, when we go against the Word of God, right? If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. Isn't that good? Now, all of us want to live fulfilled lives. Is that accurate? Right? Most people would love to be a millionaire. But I'm telling you, God's dream for you is not for you to be a millionaire. God's dream for you is to be a fulfillionaire. Y'all, y'all missed that one right there. Come on, somebody say, I am a fulfillionaire. See, his dream for you is that you live a fulfilled life. Now, how many know that might include millions? But if it doesn't, how many know you can still live a fulfilled life? Right? And he's telling you the secret to it. He's telling you to let go of your low life and come on up and live the high life. 
right? He has a high fulfilled life for each and every one of you if you'll be willing to lose the life that you're trying to save. All right? Now, so to have a fulfilled heart, you have to practice service and generosity every single day. All right? So today I want to minister to you on the subject of give your life away at Linked Up. We're having what's called an at Linked Up campaign today. And my vision is that everything you want to do and have to live a fulfilled life, you can do it right at Linked Up. And so we're going to create, mark my words when I tell you that, we're going to create Christian culture and community that will go way beyond the four walls of the church. It's going to extend all up and down C.H. James Parkway. Somebody, come on, somebody ought to incur. Remember I told you that, okay? Things are lining up for that right now. And so, give your life away at Linked Up Church. What does this mean? What does this talk about? So, think about everything we've said up to this point. So many times we're trying to do things our way. He's saying, put down your way and follow my way. When you do, then you're going to live the life and the fulfilled life that you've always dreamed about and you always desire to live. So I've got three simple points today. The first point is who wants to be great? Who in this room wants to be great? That's all? Only about 10 people? (laughs) Let me ask the question again. Who wants to be great? Everyone does, right? Everyone wants to be great, and I've got good news for you. God wired everyone in this room to be great at something. And I'm not talking mediocre either. I'm talking about a standard setter. I'm talking about a world changer. I'm talking about you are the only one that can do it at the level that God graced you to do it at because your greatness is in your wiring once you figure out what that is. All right. So now, who wants to be great? Go with me to Luke chapter 22. Who wants to be great? What I love about God is he gives all of his children the same opportunity to be great. If you have multiple kids, I mean, you don't want one to be great and the other one to, to not be great, right? You want all your kids to be great, all of them to be great at something, right? As parents, we're always saying, boy or girl, stop spending all that time over there. Spend some time over here so you can be great. Right? Right? Watch this. Luke chapter 22. He says, now there was, in verse 24, now there was a dispute, New King James Version. Now there was also a dispute among them. So the disciples are arguing. They're getting into it about Jesus. Who's the man on this team? And how many of that's people? Right? If you go in a lot of churches, you know, people are going to fight over seats and chairs, and, right? Because in their mind, all that means status and, right? Right? And so people are people, right? So, so he's saying there was also a dispute among them. What, what, what were they arguing about? As to which one of them should be considered the greatest. So Peter was saying, John, I'm the greatest because nobody can catch fish like I can. And John was saying, no, I'm the greatest because Jesus loves me more than all of you all. I mean, this is what people do, right? 
And at the end of the day, I want you to look at his response to his followers here. They're arguing about who's going to be considered the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. Gentiles refers to the nations. So the kings of all the nations exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. So those kings are the ones who benefit from those that they lord over, right? They're the benefactors of the ones that they lord over. So in that type of kingdom, all of the people are set up to serve that king. And so usually it's that king's life that's growing and growing and, and everything is happening and everyone in that world exists to serve that king, right? Let's keep reading here. And he uses this illustration to help them understand how he is and what his kingdom is like. So he says in verse 26, but not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Well, let's look at that illustration. Typically, if we go in, right, and there's a head table, and you've got people at the head table and everyone else around other tables, if we walk into that room, who do we think the greatest are in that room? The people at the head table, right? But, but really, if you keep reading here, then you've got people who, like, we were just at an event. Everyone else had to go get their food. The people at the head table were served. Right? And so, that the imagery there is like they're more important than everyone else. Right? And that's probably not the way that was intended, but it's just human nature. Right? You get dignitaries. You get people that come in. They're different. Right? So, you want to put them in a different place. But what Jesus is saying is that actually the people who bring them the food are greater than the people at the head table. Oh, y'all didn't see Let's keep reading here. So he's giving this illustration here. Which one is greater, the one that's sitting at the table or the one that's serving the person who's sitting at the table? So a lot of you all are coming here and you might think, okay, the guy on the platform, he's the greatest, right? Or the pastor's wife, she's the greatest. Or the ministerial staff, they're the greatest. But I've got news for you. You know who's actually the greatest? That guy out there on the parking lot. Come on, I need a little better amen than that. You want to actually know who's the greatest? Those people over there in the nursery that are taking care of your babies and your children. They're the greatest. Right? You, you really want to know who's the greatest? It's these ushers and these hostesses and this music department who don't get paid a penny, but they get here an hour early, stay an hour late, stay here all day. You come for 90 minutes and you're tired. They've been here all day. Come on, they're the greatest. And so the imagery is all wrong, and Jesus has to use himself as the example. And look at what he says here. He closes it out. Is it not he who sits at the table? Watch this. Yet I am among you as the one who serves. So if Jesus said his attitude is not like the one sitting at the head table, but like the one who's serving, if you want to be great, then you need to serve. 
Come on, I'm talking about Jesus leveled this playing field for all of us so that we all can have fulfillment in life if we'll just follow him and do what he does and not act like the person sitting at the table waiting to be served, like you're some big shot, like everything was set up for you, the whole place was exists exist so that you can get your seat that you sit in every single week. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody is saying amen. some point, you've got to get up out of that seat. Give that seat to somebody else and find somewhere around this building where you can be great and serve glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at this Matthew's account of this. Let's read the Message Bible. Matthew 20, 28. Put that up on the screen. Matthew 20, 28. Let's read the Message Bible here. Verse 28 says, that is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. See, the moment my attitude becomes, I don't do that anymore. You're getting ready to see all the grace leak out of here. You know where I was at Friday night? Which is a tremendous accomplishment. Earl Oubre, committed volunteer, committed member of Linked Up Church. Loved hearing all the stories. Celebrated 43 years of working at one location, UPS. How you know which is a tremendous accomplishment today with this Y generation and this, you know, if they can stay on a job 43 days. That's a huge accomplishment for them. But 43 years, my wife and I, we attended that, and we were honored to be there with them as I listened to all the nicknames they gave me. Nicknames like Pookie. And my favorite was Earl the Beast. But you know what every person got up and said about him over his 43 years, from his first manager, his first boss, Nobody served and did their job like he did with a smile on his face. And he brought life to every person that he worked with. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Okay. Well, you know what I was doing Saturday morning? See, when you can't do this stuff anymore, something's wrong. You know what I was doing? I was watching uh, Kelby's son, little Aiden, play football. Sixth grader sitting out there up underneath the tent with Kelby and his wife and their family and meeting all of their family. And we're at the football game watching his son play, right? When, when you don't have time to serve the people who have been serving you, something has become wrong. Hello! Right? Because it's real simple to me. Where would I be if Kelby wasn't standing out there every Sunday morning, every other Sunday morning when I pull up as a ministry of defense to protect me and serve me and make sure I'm in position to do what I do? Where would I do if I, where would I be if I couldn't return that and serve him and his family at a time when he invited me to support them? Come on, people. Come on. Come on. If you want to be great, you've got to serve people. So there are two keys to greatness here, as we just read. You must serve and you must be a giver. 
right? Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Every gift you have, every talent you have, all the treasure that you have, the job that you have, the home that you live in, the car that you drove here today, the family that you have, the health that's in your body, anything good that's in your life, it came from God. And if God asked you for it, you should be willing to use it to serve other people. And I wish I had a little bit more enthusiasm and excitement in this church. Two things if you want to be great. You must be willing to serve, and you must be a giver. And the biggest thing you can ever give someone is your time. Make yourself available for God. So Jesus came to serve, and he came to give. These are two things that will bring more fulfillment in your life than anything else. And they define for us what it means to follow Jesus. So if you're not serving and you're not giving of yourself in some capacity, how many know we're not taking up our cross and following him? Right? We're not denying ourselves. You know why a lot of people can't do anything? You got to go all the way back to the first text that we read. Because they're so busy chasing stuff that they don't have time for God. Come on, I'm preaching better than you all saying amen. Come on, we're spending so much time on the job, multiple jobs, chasing stuff, and all he's saying is, stop chasing the stuff, chase me, and I'll get you all the stuff that you've been chasing. And I'm going to prove that here for you in a moment. So the greatest, one of the greatest assets you have is your time. And what you do with that time demonstrates what you value. Number two, the more you give away, the more you receive. How many know that's just the way the kingdom works? The more you give away, the more you receive. The more of yourself you give away, the more you receive for yourself. The more of yourself you give away, the more you receive for yourself. Whether it's time, talent, treasure, energy, money, the more that I give away, the more that I receive back to myself. You're doing yourself the greatest favor. You're giving yourself the greatest gift when you get off of your dusty rusty and say, life is more than just about me. Come on, somebody. It's about other people. God loves them, and I need to make myself available so that he can use me so that I can be great and his name can be made greater, right? So the more we give away, the more we receive. Mark chapter 10, let's read this whole dissertation and remember the language here that we've been using all day long, right? So God's getting ready, Jesus is getting ready to present a wonderful opportunity here. He's going to use the same language that we've been hearing all day long, and you will see where people get stumped at. And it's not just this young man, it's the entire world. This is where they get stumped at. I'm so glad 29 years ago, I said, yes, Jesus. 25 years ago, I left my job at Ford Motor Company, took a $20,000 pay cut to come into the ministry full time. And how do you know my family went bananas? Man, that didn't make sense to anybody. You know how, hard, you know how, you know how people were trying to get in Ford Motor Company? You work down at the National Education Development and Training Center. You did what? For how much? I never get my grandmother. How are you going to have kids someday? How are you going to have kids? Do they even give you insurance in ministry? That's what they thought. 25 years later. 
Everything that I gave up, he's given me back 100 times greater. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. See, when I didn't fight over what was perceived to be a loss, I didn't make it about me and get in my feelings and attack people. See, and I just stayed the course, right? Denied myself, took everything that came along with that, right? And just stayed the course. All the stuff that happened in the five years since then, just all the movement, just stay the course. Look at where it brings you. And if you're ever going to fulfill something for God, you got to learn. You're going to see this today. You're going to learn how to not pay attention to people. Stay focused. Even with Jesus, it was always the people that were closest to him, stirring up the most stuff. Got to know what the Father said and just keep going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so glad we kept going. I'm so glad we kept going there. Because I'll tell you the truth, I probably quit a thousand times if I'm just being a human being. But I thank God. He graced me every morning to get up and say I can go one more day. One more day lasted five years. And now, folks, they, they had to put me out of there. What night was that? My wife called me. She was like, where are you at? I'm still at the building. <laughs> they had to put me out of there one night, man. It just, I just, man, I, just, I couldn't believe what God has done. You're going to be blessed next weekend. God is good. Yeah. That willingness to deny yourself puts you in position. For complete fulfillment. Let's read this story. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 verse 17 says. Now, now, now pay attention here. Don't miss this. This is why you came today. Watch this story. Now as he was going out on the road. One came running. Knelt before him and asked him. Good teacher. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So the context here is around eternal life and salvation, correct? So your man asks the question, good master, good teacher, great teacher. What can I do to in inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him in verse 18, why do you call me good? There's no one good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher or rabbi, all these things have I kept from my youth. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. Now let's not miss the context here. Your man asks, what could he do to inherit inter eternal life? Right? Now, I'm going to show you religious people. Young man said he kept all the commandments, but he didn't have a relationship with God. So then one thing was hindering him from having a relationship with God that would lead to eternal life. So Jesus loved him, and he said, it's just one thing holding you back. It's really the one thing that holds most people back. 
Money is more important. Life, I'm busy. I'm trying to build my brand. I'm trying to increase my followers. It's about me. He said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And look at this language, same language we read in Mark chapter 8, same language. He says, and take up your cross. See, deny yourself and follow me. Jesus was asking this man to come and be a part of his team. I mean, anything you give up for Jesus, he's going to give you back far greater than what you gave up for him. Right? But you've got to know him and be in relationship with him to catch that. See, I believe more things are caught than that are ever taught. Of course, you're listening to the message. You're you're following along. But, you know, they're just things you've got to catch in your spirit that has to light up in your spirit. Then you go back to the Word and drill down a little further to get a, a deeper anchor about what it is that he's leading you to do. This man is being asked to be a part of Jesus' team. He's not going to give up anything that Jesus is not going to give back to him. Watch this. And so he said, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Don't make it about you. Make it about me and follow me and see what I do for you. But he was sad at that word. And he went away sorrowful, sorrowful, for he had great possessions, or we could say great possessions had him. In verse 23, Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Now, remember the context here. The young man was loaded who asked the question, what could I do to inherit eternal life? Right? Jesus said, just one thing you're lacking. Just go sell all of that and and help somebody else come up. And you're going to have treasure in heaven. Right? Now, watch this. So he says to him, uh, says to his disciples, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? Now, over the years, we've heard that's translated as God's way of doing and being right. But what's the context here? We're talking about eternal life, right? And so he's telling them it's, it's difficult for people who, who chase money to end up with eternal life. See, there's two controlling forces in the earth. God and money. You can have both, you just can't serve both. And at some point, all of us are going to have to pass that test where what's more important, what I'm chasing or who, am I, who I'm in relationship with, right? And so watch this. So he tells his disciples that statement, verse 25, then he uses this illustration here. He says, how hard is it for those? Well, let me back up. Verse 24, the disciples were astonished at his words. How I many know you're not going to be astonished unless you have money? If you're broke, you would have been celebrating that statement right there. You, were like, you would be like, we're good. Glory to God. <laughs> but the disciples responded, they are astonished because they must have as much resources as the rich guy. Is that accurate? Right? So, so he has to help them understand even further. He says, they were astonished at that saying. They're, they're blown away by what Jesus just said. But Jesus answered and said to them, children, how hard is it? How hard is it? He has a little bit more clarification for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. 
And so now he, he adds a little clarification there. It's not those who have it, but it's those who put their trust in it. And see, one thing you'll learn about money, it can be here today and gone tomorrow. But the one thing you'll learn about God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so with God, you can lose everything today and get it right back tomorrow. Without God, you might be on a long journey if that's what you put your trust in. So he says here in verse 25, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I don't want to take a whole time to explain that, right? He's just saying it's difficult. Well, let me explain. All right, if, if you go over to Jerusalem, there are a bunch of mountains and hills and valleys and tunnels. And so if you watch these individuals, especially during this time, all of their bounty would be on their journey, and it would be on the camel's back. So all the food, their clothes, everything would be on that camel's back. And so they could fit through this tunnel, right? Uh, but the camel couldn't get through the tunnel with all that stuff. So it's now laborious to now take all of the stuff off of the camel. And now the camel has to get down on all four and literally crawl through that tunnel, which was called a eye of a needle, to get to the other side. And it was so laborious that most people just didn't feel like going through all of that. And so the disciples clearly understood what he was saying because that is a difficult thing to do, right? But how many know it's not impossible? It's difficult, but it's not impossible. And he proves that with the next thing, things that he says here. It says, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God or inherit eternal life. And they were greatly astonished, saying among them, watch this, showing you the context, then who then can be saved? I want you to really think here for a minute. What are they really saying? Because we're all rich. I'm going somewhere with this. If you follow Jesus, you're going to end up with a lot of possessions. Thank you for that one hand clap over there on that side. Way in the back. I'll say it again. It's just the truth. If you follow Jesus, you are going to end up with a boatload of possessions. All right, not that side. If you follow Jesus, you are going to end up with a boatload of possessions. Somebody ought to receive that. That was all right. If you follow Jesus, you are going to end up with a boatload of possessions. They received it. Now let's all together. If you follow Jesus, you are going to end up with a boatload of possessions. That's why they are astonished, man. They're now greatly astonished saying, then you know what? Nobody can be saved then because we're loaded. Then look at what Jesus said here in verse 28, verse 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with men. It is impossible. I want you to understand what the language he used here. I didn't even want to take this long with this today. This is why you don't put your trust in people. You missed a good place to shout right there. I did not say you can't trust people. What I said was don't put your trust in people.
Why? Because they're like money. They change. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody is saying amen in here today. And they don't mean anything by it. It just depends on what's going on in their lives. That they can now see you differently. Right? Notice what the language you use. With men, it's impossible. Now I want you to shift your dish. But with God, what's left after all? So then you can go from nothing and everything that you own in the back seat of your car five years ago. Come on, tune into this network right here. And if nothing else, this should show you five years from today, God can put you in a position where you don't even recognize your life. Why? Because with God, can you be debt-free by next year? All things are possible. Can God heal your body of cancer? Come on, can you get a promotion on your job? All things are possible. Can you meet the person you've always dreamed about marrying? I thought I'd get a little bit better. Come on, can you have the marriage you always dreamed about having? Come on, come on, somebody ought to, come on, get your faith up in here a little bit. Come on. Can we own the 33 acres right next to it? Come on, can we build an active adult community on that 33 acres? Come on, where we take care of our widows who are widows indeed. Come on, can we build a community economic and development center where we train up entrepreneurs and we teach deployment? Come on, somebody. And we build our community and we buy up all the dilapidated properties and we fix them up. Come on, and we put our families in there and we build businesses. Come on, somebody. We build town centers and strip malls. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and, and we just keep taking over the land. Everywhere we put our feet, everywhere our feet tread, God gives us the land. With God, all things are possible and you know why we have such a challenge believing that because we're looking more at people and less at God and when you start looking more at God and less at people you will find out with God you can do anything and with God on your side there is nothing that man can do to stop what God has called you to do somebody ought to give God a great praise in this place So Peter, who was my man, he's going to challenge that thought. That's why I love Peter. Peter says to him, hold on, hold on, doc. <laughs> See, we left everything. Right? But, but yet he's astonished. So even though they left everything, they must still have everything. But what I love about Peter, he's never satisfied. There's more. <laughs> Right? Watch what he said. Hold on, Doc. Hold on, Jesus. We left everything and followed you. We took up our cross. We denied ourselves. So Jesus answered and he said, listen, Peter, assuredly, 
Most doubtedly, I say to you, there's not one person who has left a house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife, plural, I mean singular, (laughs) or children, or lands, then he uses the same language that he's been using since Mark chapter 8. Right? For my sake and what? So now we're talking motive again too. See, why do you want the resources? Is it about you or is it about him? If he gave it to you, can he trust you with it? See, because if he can't get your time, he can't get your money. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you, choir. Thank you, choir. I'm getting all my strength. Support back there from the, from, my, from the choir back there. I want you to see now, if I'm not willing to, to make time, usually I'm not giving of my resources. So he said, if your motive is for my sake in the Gospels, you will receive a hundredfold, and he makes it clear, other translation says, now in this life, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands and persecutions. Notice what he did not add to that list. Wives. You get one of those. Your whole life. Come on, let all the married people say. Right? Because he knows one is all you can handle. Look at all these scared guys in here. All the brothers said. Let me tell you, I'll tell you, I love Patricia E. Gregory. Let me tell you, I, if it was two of them, man, listen, I'd just quit. I'd just say, take me home, Lord. And I mean that in the best way I can describe it, right? Because to really minister to a wife and be everything that she needs you to be is a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week job. Amen. And the reality is we don't want to be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Sometimes we just want to turn it off. Look at all these scared married people. I'm not saying nothing. All right. So let me close. What are the two key contributors that keep people from receiving and living a fulfilled life? Motive. They do things for the wrong motives. And they're not willing to give away what they have. Okay. Point number three, our last one, I'm just going to share it with you. Faith is what causes you to give your life away. I mean, you've got to trust God. You have to trust God with everything that he gave you with. When you're willing to give it back to him, you're saying, I trust you. Look at Philippians chapter 2, 17 and 18. It says, your faith, I'm reading out of the New Century version. Do you all have that version? That's so good back there. Philippians 2, 17, 18 says, your faith makes you offer your lives as a sacrifice in serving God. It's your faith that makes you do that. If I have to offer my own blood with your sacrifice, Paul said, I would be happy and full of joy with all of you. If it cost me my life, I would be happy and full of joy with all of you all. You also should be happy and full of joy with me if my faith and my service to the kingdom of God even caused me to lose my life. How many know that's a committed person? See that song, fully committed, that's a committed person. If I'm willing to lay down my life, 
and I'm willing to serve God even if it costs me my life. See, we always say that scripture in Revelations, I believe it's chapter 3, right? We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I mean, no, that's not the whole verse. The rest of the verse says, and we love not our lives even unto death. See, faith is what will make you live your life in such a way that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to give you something to think about today in my conclusion to help you measure yourself and where you're at. Because it's your faith that makes you offer your life as a sacrifice and serve God by serving others. So sacrifice and serving are two of the keys to lifelong fulfillment. If you're going to be a fulfillionaire, then you've got to live a life of service and sacrifice. When you think about the most successful people in the world, they are philanthropists, right? You think about the Latino-Hispanic community, you'll think about George Lopez. You'll think about Eva Longoria, right? Think about uh, other uh, communities. You'll think about uh, Bill Gates. You'll think about Warren Buffett, right? Think about in the African-American community, you'll think about Tyler Perry. See, he's a, he saw a guy working in a grocery store who used to be an actor, and compassion comes on him, and he calls him, and he offers him a job. He's giving his life away, saying, God, you brought me to a place. Let me help bring other people with me. Right? Well, we don't know if he's saved, if he's not saved. Oprah Winfrey, we don't know if she's saved. This, this is, these are just universal things that are in the earth. Oprah helps so many people. She lives a life of sacrifice and service. And she gives it away. Giving your life away for Jesus' sake and the sake of the gospel is what makes you great. I want you to think about a few things here. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to challenge you to just think about a few things here for a moment, and I'm done. I just want you to look up here at me for a moment. I really want you to start thinking about your life because your life will only go as far as what you're willing to give away. What you hold on to will only keep you where you're at and then take you further back. All right, so I want to challenge you spiritually today. In the form of number one in my conclusion is a question. What makes you the most fulfilled in life? What is it that makes you the most fulfilled in life? For me, one of them is doing what I'm doing right now, allowing God to use me to help people with his word. Another one was what I did on Friday night. I love supporting people who support me and who are accomplishing things and doing things that other people today may not value. Another thing that makes me fulfilled is, is going to a little kid's football game because I used to be a little kid who played sports. And it meant the world to me when people who I looked up to would come and support me. And I want to pay that forward. What is it that fulfills you? What in your life fulfills you? Number two, think about a time when you experienced fulfillment through service and generosity. How did that make you feel? Should have made you feel better than the person that you served and that you gave to. You should have walked away with a sense of accomplishment like none, none other point in your life because of God used you to help somebody else's life. 
Think about a time when you experienced fulfillment through service and generosity. I want you to think about it, folks. For five years, people have been willing to get here, drive a, 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 a F-150, F-250 truck with all this stuff loaded on the back of it. Take it over to the West End, drop it off at the West End, pick it back up, load it, unload. People have been willing to do that for five years just to help us get where we're going. Number three, how much of your time is spent in service? How much of it? How many of y'all know coming to church is not serving? It's not spending time in service. How much of your time is spent on service? What are ways you can give your life away in service to others today? All right. I want you to just close your eyes and begin to think about those things right now. Just close your eyes, lift your hands to the Father. And I want to pray over every person in this room. And so, Father, we all declare, most of us declare, that we are followers of you. And you said in your word, a huge part of following you is this ability to deny ourselves, take up our cross. Which means, Father, we live a life of sacrifice and we live a life of service to you and to other people. And so, Father, I'm praying for every person watching online or in this service under the sound and authority of my voice. That you would grace linked up church to be a, a church of sacrifice and a church of service. May it never be about us, but let it be about the people that you've called us to serve. Give us a spirit and a heart of that today. And Father, I declare that we all receive it by faith. And Father, we say that we will live our lives fully committed to you. And we say yes to your way and yes to your will. And we say it now in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say yes. yes. Come on, say yes. yes. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say yes, yes. to your way. And to your will, in Jesus' name. Now go ahead and thank God for that right now. Come on, go ahead and thank God for it. Yes to his way. Yes to his will. Now I want to challenge someone else in this room or someone watching me online. Are you willing to take that next step today of totally denying yourself? The young rich guy asked a question. He had everything, but yet he had nothing. He asked the question, what can I do to inherit eternal life? What is it that's holding you back today? What's slowing you down? That young man was religious. He went to church. He kept all the commandments, but he didn't have a relationship with God through Jesus. I mean, you know, going to church won't save you. Serving won't save you. You must have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So if you're in this building today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to pray with and for you. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already saved, but I got away from God. I started chasing stuff that just pulled me away from God. I heard enough today. I'm ready to recommit myself. I'm ready to come back to Christ. If that's you, I want to pray with and for you today. Finally, if you don't have a church home, but you believe God has led you here to Linked Up Church, my wife and I, the staff, will be happy to receive you. We'll pray for you every single day of our lives. Every time you come in this building, just like today, our goal is to make sure that you get the Word of God and the Word of God only. So now while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking.